0: And today, I would say before I even start, we've been speaking about evangelism. You know, and some people would say again, yeah, again, yes, because that's what this is about. I would say fasten your seatbelts before we get started, and not in a way that this is going to be this exciting, whoa. But there's this piece of evangelism that I feel like so many times isn't addressed, isn't spoken about, and I want to go there today. As you know, I've been speaking, uh, a study by Greg Laurie tells someone, God will use you to open doors. God will use your story to be able to articulate his goodness to people. The gospel, as we know it, it means good news. And you may be sitting here and thinking, I've heard this so many times before, but I want it to go a little deeper today. Only one-third of Americans know what the term gospel means. See, so it's hitting me. Like, if we're called to go into all the world, if we're called to do things, it's hitting me that there's this idea that everyone knows what I know. Like, I've been raised in church, and I'm not saying that in a boastful way. I'm saying that in a blessed way. But when I have experience, and there's people that don't know Jesus Christ or have never heard about Jesus Christ, what I say from my knowledge base about him may go over their head. Everyone needs to hear the good news. We ended the service last week by putting up those scriptures, those Romans wrote scriptures. That we need to be articulate in, that we need to be able to speak to people and point out in God's word, even when it's not in my hand, to say God's word says this here. Go look that up or you know what? Here it is on my phone. I'll show you. We need to be able to do that. This idea of sin, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It says in first John one eight. Here is a truth. Sin is real. I say it because I feel like there's this movement in so many churches this, that we have relegated Jesus Christ to only being this almost like Tinkerbell help us kind of character. But we don't speak about the full gospel. When I say salvation, what are we saved from? Not everyone grew up with a pew underneath them. Before we throw the words, do we know how to speak to people who have no base in Jesus Christ? So when you say the word sin, one of the definitions of sin is a trespass. Now, when you say that, it can relate to people. If you just throw down sin, they have heard the word so many times. Just like gospel. There's gospel music. When you tell someone something, oh, it's the gospel truth. But do they relate it to the good news as in the Bible? When it comes to this subject here of sin, and we talk about trespass, when you see a trespassing sign, you know what it means. No trespassing. Down at the bottom of the hill, there's this junkyard. I have seen enough movies in my lifetime to know not to climb over the junkyard fence. I know. There's this place, it's called Area 51. If you watch whatever, that guy with the big hair, the aliens guy, he's always talking about it. But see, there's signs there that it says, if you cross past this point, you will be arrested and you can be shot. It's not just shame, shame, everybody knows your name. No, it's you, you could die. Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead in our trespass and our sin. See, I was dead before Jesus Christ came into my life. You were dead before he came into your life. We have all crossed a line. There used to be this thing on TV. It was Kirk Cameron and this other guy, and they do the way of the master, and they go out and they do street evangelism, and they would ask people about the Ten Commandments. Had they broken any of the Ten Commandments? You know, and a lot of people don't have a problem with killing. It's not something they struggle with, killing people. But some people really have a hard time when it comes to idols in their life, when it comes to lying. And so he would ask, have you ever done one of these things? And when they would answer, well, yeah, I broke this one and that one. And he would bring it around in a way to say, you know what? If you break one, it's like breaking all of them. There's a second definition of sin, and it's, a Greek word, which I won't try to say because I'm not Greek and I will mess it up, It's to miss a mark. It's closely tied to this Greek word for archery, and the idea in archery is to hit the target every single time. And what's wild about it is if I was to shoot 10 arrows and put them on a target, if I put nine of them on the target, I would feel like I accomplished something. And everyone around be like, you put 90% of them in there. And we can get to a place when we think with our heart where we think God grades on some curve. But the truth is from James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he's guilty of them all. Now, if you commit no adultery, but if you kill, you art become a transgressor of the law. And I say this because it's a hard subject to talk about, even in church, because I feel like it just brings the room down. Because we want to hear this like pick-me-up kind of thing every Sunday. and And I like that too. I like funny things. But those arrows, here's an important thing. When you shoot a very basic thing, whether it be arrows, whether it be guns, whether it be whatever, every round that leaves the barrel, you are responsible for. What we do can cause a terrible ripple effect in other people's lives. If you don't believe that, look in your Bible, a man named Uriah. What other people did, their arrows messed him up. It's wild because I say this and I say this to the church. Watching the Olympics here and there, like we're laughing when we watch them because I'm like, how's that a sport? I was asked, Dina, like, what do they do when it's not Olympic years? Like, what do you do with that? Like, what do curlers, like, there's no curling leagues around here that I know of. If there are, let me know, because I'm joining. It's, I'm on. But in the 2020 Olympics, the USA basketball team, professionals from the NBA, their field shooting percentage was 49%. Their three-point percentage was 39 Now, think about that. These are the best guys, and they're shooting those kinds of numbers. I say that because we have not arrived at this place where we can put grace in a box on a shelf because we don't need it anymore. There was a man, his name was Matt Emmons. In the 2004 Olympics, he was competing in a 50-meter three-position rifle event. He was one shot away from winning a gold medal. As he took his position to fire the final shot, all he had to do was hit the target. And you know what? He did hit the target, but he hit the wrong target. He was standing in lane two, and he hit the target for lane three. Instead of winning with a score of 8.1, he received a zero. Instead of winning, he fell to eighth place. Now, I say this because when we talk about this gospel, if it is not as relevant today for you sitting in that pew, saint of God that's walked for him, as it was the moment that you came to know him, something's wrong. It needs to keep its relevance. One of the hardest verses for me to hear. This used to mess me up. It was Matthew 5.48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I mean, I come back from Winterfest, be like, ooh, I love Jesus. And I would read that verse and I'd think, what am I going to do? Right? I mean, you hear that because you're thinking, how can I as a human approach the perfection of God? He equips you as a believer to hit the shot every time. He empowers you with the best equipment and the best training, surrounds you with the best team so that you can hit the shot with confidence. I'm reminded of something, and I love this. It's about basketball again. I don't know why I'm talking about basketball today, but I am. It's not about LeBron James. LeBron James is like the Michael Jordan of almost being as good as Michael Jordan. But I'm going to talk about Michael Jordan, the GOAT. 1991, he's standing at the line. Mutombo's rookie year. Mutombo is talking trash, Paul. He's talking trash to Jordan. Jordan looks at him, and you know what he says? He says, this one's for you, baby. And then he does next, show the next one. He closes his eyes and drops this free throw. That is the kind of God confidence that he can give you. That when you enter a situation, you can almost be like for the enemy, hey, this one's for you, check this out, and just watch me go, watch me go. And this, to me, you were never expected to be perfect on your own. You have an advocate. You have someone who will walk beside you. You owed a debt that you couldn't pay, and Jesus paid that debt, that cross. He came here for you, just as it was said so many times today. He would have come for you and only you. This advocate, he wants a relationship with you. That's the beauty of it. Think, Pastor Nip, how many times would you say, you know, it's not about getting a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's about relationship. It's about relationship along the way. Like, until I cross over into heaven, I have this relationship that eclipses anything that I've ever known. That is icing on this good news. There are times in my walk that I think of myself like the tortoise in the tortoise in the hare. I may be slow, but I am sure. I may be slow, but I'm going to cross the finish line. There are days that I get up, and I am not kidding you. I have prayed that. I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize. I'm going to cross the finish line. With Jesus beside me, when he was here, how did he react? He wouldn't hate, slander, or speak evil of people. He wouldn't have lust in his heart or in his mind. He wouldn't walk around coveting. He wouldn't walk around lying. He would always be completely truthful. He would let God defend his personal rights, and he wouldn't take it upon himself to keep stepping up to shout what his rights should be. He would always love his neighbors and even his enemies. If that advocate walks beside me, it empowers me to do the same. Will I get it right 100% of the time? Nope. Nope. I don't know if I, maybe a lot of pastors are saying that this morning, but I am saying that. I need him. Sharon, I need him as much now as the moment when I accepted him. And more. More. So in Mark 10, this rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns to him and he said, why do you call me good? There is none good except for God. Jesus then lists a number of commandments that this young man should be following. And the young man foolishly answers, all of these commandments have I kept since I was a young boy. Now imagine the look on Jesus' face. I mean, pretty much this guy's saying, I've been batting a thousand since I've been a young boy. God did not give the law so we could walk around and feel righteous. At no time should holiness be used as something to rub in someone's face because they haven't arrived there yet. At no point should we think that we have attained ultimate holiness. What the law does is it gives us this moral mirror that God set up to take a look and to realize that we in ourselves don't measure up, to say, I need you now. That word sin, when you're speaking with people and it comes to this gospel, and one thing that we've said all along, you use your story to open the door to begin to build the bridge. Then you get into God's word because God's word will speak for itself. And then you lead them to a place where you ask if they want to make a decision. But it's imperative that you be able, when you talk about the good news, to share that there is also bad news. See, this is when it gets heavy. I met several people in my life who were not believers in Jesus Christ who had so many attributes that I wish that some Christians would have. (laughs) That sounds mean, but it's true. It's true. You know they're genuinely kind. They advocate for other people. You know they're so accepting. There's all these things. But heaven is not for good people. It's for forgiven people. And I don't say that like cuz we're forgiven and no, I say that should light a fire under us to get other people into heaven. That it should raise this desperation that this is what people need. Human reasoning always will lead to good. But just like Jesus' statement to that young ruler, there is none good but God. Anything that I say is good, it pales in comparison to God good. No man can get to heaven on his own merit. It's important when we talk to people that we let them know that we were at one time in a place place where we didn't know Jesus Christ. Not in this way like I'm prescribing to you the perfect way because I'm perfect. No, you can let them know there was a time when I didn't know the name of Jesus Christ the way I should. There was a time when Romans 5, 6 through 8, when I was without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I like to personalize it. Verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us. that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Imagine a world where you woke up every morning trying to attain this standard you could never reach. Here's truth. Eternity is divided into two parts. Heaven and hell. Just saying that cuts through me. Do I love this place? Oh, yeah. But I want to be set on fire for a passion for the lost. I want to be that person that they know in Lake County, like, oh, here he comes. Here comes the bridge builder and the, yeah, we know. I want to be that guy that either gets thrown out or told, keep it down. I'll be like, Mm-mm. Or the guy who's like waiting for people outside. I want to be that guy. And you know what's crazy? Do you know who's keeping me from being that guy? Is it you, Paul Warning? Nope, you're not keeping It's me. I'm that guy. I want that passion for Jesus to just flow from me. Here's the truth. To speak of only the glory of heaven and not the reality of hell is not declaring the entire gospel. It is not this Jesus who comes along and you got a good life and he'll just make it better. It is confronting the fact that we are by nature sinners. You may talk to someone with your story and you may say, Jesus filled this void in my life. You may try to take the self-help route. And they may look at you and say, you know what? I don't have a void in my life because I go home at night and I got a new lazy boy. And when I sit in that lazy boy watching King of Queens, I drink like four or five beers and I feel pretty peaceful. And then you're like, "Mm, evangelism, what should I do? What should I do? We've got to go beyond these fringe benefits and stop selling Jesus Christ. Like this is, he's only there for your peace. He's only there for your fulfillment, for your purpose, for your joy. He's also there to snatch you out of the grips of hell. If I only speak of Jesus like an as seen on TV kind of thing, like if I talk about Jesus like he's doggy steps, like yeah, help your doggy get on the bed, make your life easier. You know what? I could pick my dog up and put him on the bed. Jesus is not just this kind of thing that'll make my life better if I just, if I just three easy payments. By the numbers, listen to this. Most Americans believe in some kind of afterlife. 82% of Americans believe in heaven. 70% believe in hell. But I guarantee out that 70%, they do not believe that people that they know may go there. When we believe that that is a reality, it should change our walk. It should change our heart. It should change how we look at people. You know this idea like when me and Dina have been talking. Instead of me ready to take on the world because they're the enemy of God, they are held captive by sin. Because I don't fight against flesh and blood, so quit fighting flesh and blood. That I need to approach them again. And I say to any parent, how would you want someone to approach your child if your child was mired in sin? I would want them to approach with all the grace and patience that exists. Therefore, that's how I should approach. If he's a God of love, he's also a God of justice. At some point, someone will say, how can a loving God send someone to hell? No, and that's the point when you're talking to someone where you want to crawl under something. And it is important that the next words that come out of your mouth is, he doesn't. He doesn't. But see, he is a God of justice, just as much as he is a God of love. And there are a couple quotes that I have here that I love. It's important to understand in Matthew 25, 41, it says that hell was created for the devil and for his angels. C.S. Lewis said this, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. We cannot operate outside of God. There are beautiful things in this life. Something that is bittersweet but beautiful is when a saint of God goes home. Something that is also a beautiful thing is someone who has not walked with God during their lifetime when they look at you, when they are sick, when they are on a deathbed, and they accept Jesus Christ for the first time. And you know that you know what awaits them is going to be so beautiful. Timothy Keller said people only get In the afterlife, what they've most wanted either to have God as Savior or Master or to be their own Savior and Master. In ourselves, we just want to get away from God. That's what the flesh does. I don't want to be confronted by holiness, I don't want to be confronted by change, I want to get away from it. God says this that I've equipped you with a free will, you are free to choose. But because I know what is best for you, I sent my son to die on a cross. And if you will choose hell, you will have to do so over his dead body. It needs to light a fire, church. Because this idea of evangelism isn't just so we can make more friends and have more people sit on the pews with us. It is because we know that the time is short. It's because we don't know what tomorrow holds. It's because we are going to be held responsible for what we say or do not say. And I want to be able to put those words where they need to be. If you were walking down the street and you saw a house on fire, would you keep walking? Pray call 911. Probably go over to see if there's any way that you could help. If you didn't do that, it would be indifferent, if not criminal. It's the same thing when it comes to this gospel. We must give them the whole thing. Jesus uniquely qualified because he's the God man to build that bridge says in Acts 4.12, there is a salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. A few years ago, Oprah came under fire because she said there's many paths to God. And people are like, oh, yeah. According to the Bible, I can look up at the sky and it declares its handiwork. Like, there's nowhere I can look. The other day, I'm sitting in my car, true story, and a snowflake lands on my window. And I just, it's perfect. I'm just sitting there like Elsa, and I'm just like, God, you're so awesome. You're just so awesome. But everywhere you look, God's design screams out. But the truth is, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and we need to tell people, shout it from the mountaintops. Go everywhere that we can to say Jesus is the way. Romans fourteen twelve. so then every person among us will give account of himself to God. When you share the gospel, here's a pro tip. Not really. Just fit there. Just I can say it. Always go for the cross. Here's a story. And I'm going to be closing. Greg Laurie got an opportunity to go visit Billy Graham. Like Billy Graham. Fill in stadiums, Billy Graham. You know how many souls have come into heaven through that ministry by him just being obedient? Billy Graham. He said, so he's sitting there and just how blown away he was. And Billy's wife, Ruth, she made them some fried chicken. And they're sitting there and they're eating the fried chicken. And they got a lazy Susan, you know, and Billy, he'll turn it. And Greg, he's eating. And he said that Billy Graham looked at him and he said, Greg, would you like a Coke? how he said it, and he said, he is so authoritative, I took the Coke, because like, he just had this way, and you know, God gave him this power, and he said, Billy, can I ask you a question? And in between the time he asks that, and he goes to ask a question, he just can't remember what the question is, he's kind of starstruck, he said to Billy Graham, if older Billy could go back and speak to younger Billy, after all the years you've done this, what advice would you give to him? He looked at him and he said, I would have preached about the cross even more. Because that's where the power is. I feel like all he did was preach about the cross. He's saying that's where I would have upped my game. It is not up to you to save them. The power of the cross when you put that out there is what brings the change about. It is simply for you in humility to approach someone, to be humble enough to share your story, even the warts at times, to ask them, as you give these scriptures that make sense, relate it in a way that they can understand, to let them know that saying that this sin, it's not this condemnation, a me and you thing, it's a this is where I was and I want to pull you out of it thing, and then leading them to a place where they accept Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, that's what it is. I'm going to close with a challenge. You know, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Doesn't mean He put His nose up. It's like, yeah, whatever y'all are about, I'm not about. But it meant at the end of the day, it always came back to the cross. Every conversation came back to the cross. What he did with the mission back to the cross. What is set before us as a body of Christ may seem like a tough job. It is. You may have someone look at you. Dawn, you may have someone look you right in the face and be like, what, you a holy roller? You think you're better than me? You may have that, right? they don't define you. And at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, you can say, God, I put it out there and I pointed to the cross. This week, be intentional. Be intentional. God may not attach bells to the person he wants you to witness to, he may not have a spotlight follow them, but I promise you that you will know. In closing, I'd like it is, stand before we pray. Whomever God was speaking to, I'll be sitting on the front row, just waiting. I'll be sitting there for you. So when this is over, you can come find me. Love to talk to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this gospel. I thank you for the fact that we have been entrusted with it. And Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see people as you see them so that there would be an urgency in winning the lost in telling them about this great news in knowing father that you long to add to each church family into the kingdom because those that don't know you they were us never let me forget your grace and let me always walk in your peace as your advocate. In the name of Jesus, amen.